Church, I was so sad when I realized that I was not going to be able to be there in person with uh, you guys this week. Uh, it really broke my heart. Um, but I'm thankful for technology and the ability to be able to uh, communicate to you this way. And, and really, I'm excited to invite you into my home. Uh, I could be there with you, and so I kind of get to bring you to my home uh, with me. And so you get to see you know, one five-foot section of my home, but welcome. This is the Wilson house. We got stockings, we got books, we've got fire, missing some hot chocolate. That might have made it all complete, but hey, here we are. So welcome to my home. Um, glad to have you. Uh, so excited to be able to study with you this morning and uh, celebrate the story of Christmas with you this morning. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, have you ever been, and I know you have, have you ever been away from someone you love? You know, there's times... There's been times in our life where I've been on a trip, whether a mission trip or a conference or traveling somewhere, and I've been away from uh, my wife and my kids, you know, for an extended period of time. And, and, and during that, you know, I can call, they can call, we can talk on the phone, we can even FaceTime, I can see them and interact with them, um, and that's good, but it's not the same. You know, there is something about being in their presence, those I love. It's, there's something about being with them that is completely different than just talking to them, just being, just seeing them even. But being with them, being in their presence changes everything. And I think the same thing is true uh, with God and his presence. Uh, and I think sometimes for us, we can feel like um, maybe distant from God. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt uh, distant from God, disconnected from God? Have you ever felt kind of lonely and away from him? Have you ever wanted to, to be in God's presence so badly that you wanted to be near him? You wanted you know, him to be comforting you or uh, you wanted to be, you wanted just his presence. And, and yet, instead of feeling his presence, you just felt the quiet, dark, cold realities of loneliness instead of feeling connected to God. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like your prayers weren't getting past the ceiling, and no matter what you did, you couldn't connect to him. That there was this wall, this barrier between you. Have you ever cried out to God, wondering if he was even there? If he was still around? If he could even hear you? Um, you know, I have been to countless you know, uh, youth camps and uh, retreat, you know, Christian retreats and uh, revivals and... Um, and, and services uh, where the presence of God was mighty and he moved and everyone was brought to their knees and people were crying and weeping. And I've, I've experienced, you know, that sort of thing where God's presence was powerful. We knew that his spirit was there. It was in the room. He was there right in front of us and there was no doubt about it. And because I've had those types of experiences where I've felt the presence of God, when I, when I know what it's like when he's, when he's all over you, because I know that, it, it makes it really difficult those times that I don't feel that. Or in the past, it's made it, made it feel that way, right? Uh, when, 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 when I was alone, when I needed to make hard decisions even, or when difficult things in my life have happened, and I would pray and I would beg for God's presence to come upon me again and to be near me because I needed him. I needed him near me. I needed to, to feel his presence wash over me. 
Uh, I needed him to speak to me. And, and no matter, some, sometimes, no matter how much I prayed or begged or tried to just muster up his will, to, to will him, his presence to me, um, I, I didn't feel him. And, and I still felt alone and disconnected from him. Um, like being away on a trip and uh, not even having FaceTime. You know, asking, God, where are you? And how do I get you back? How do I feel like those times I felt before? How do I feel those tingles and those butterflies in your stomach and goosebumps and, and just the, your presence? And, and I imagine sometimes uh, that this is maybe kind of how Joseph felt, uh, Mary's fiance, when, when Joseph discovered that Mary, his fiance, soon-to-be wife, was pregnant with a baby that wasn't his. And his heart is breaking and he feels the shame and the embarrassment and the betrayal of her. And I can imagine Joseph, all the questions that are swirling around in his mind, going through his head. God, why would you let this happen to me? God, why would you do this? God, where are you? And I think it is in moments of crisis, uh, in moments of great crisis, it can be so easy for us to believe that God isn't there. It can be so easy to believe that God is absent. Whether it's tragedy or sorrow, heartache or loss, when things go bad, we ask, God, where are you? Where were you? Why aren't you here? In seasons of rebellion, in seasons of sin where uh, we're just making a lot of mistakes and, and we make more mistakes than we repent and more mistakes than we believe right and, and we're doubting and, 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 and all those kinds of things and we can feel this palpable absence of God in our life and we wonder is it because of our sin, because of our rebellion. And yet sometimes still we can be in church every day. We can read our Bible every day. We can be serving every day the Lord faithfully and yet wonder whether or not God's presence is really with us. Sometimes we only believe God is with us, I think, when we, when we can feel a certain way that we you know, can recognize that that's what it feels like when God's around. And, and for some of us, maybe that's just these really powerful emotions um, when, when we're moved to tears, when, uh, when there's a sermon or a worship song or an experience that is so powerful that we just are awestruck and, uh, you know, our, our mouths are open or we're weeping or, you know, we are, 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 we've got goosebumps on our arms. We just feel warmth or whatever it is. Um, and we feel like, oh, that is what it's like when, 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 when God is near. Is God with you? Uh, like I want us to ask that question. Like, is He with you right now? Is His presence with you now? Um, is He with you right now because you're at church? What if you don't feel Him? What if you don't feel all those things? Is He with you? What What about those of you like me that are at home right now? Is Is God with you there? Is He with you at home? Um, if you sin today, if you just royally messed up, if you um, just made a mistake, if you sinned, if you messed up things with your spouse, if you 
did something wrong. Is he with you after that? Um, if, you are, if you're doubting, if you doubt that he's real, if you're doubting your salvation, if you're doubting him, is he with you then? If you're doubting right now, is he with you? If you got bad news today, if you got bad news this past week, was he with you when you get that bad news? If you're lonely, and if you're living your life and you just feel lonely and isolated, 2020, I think we have all felt pretty lonely. And if you're lonely, is he there? Is he there when you're lonely? Is God with you when you're lonely? Is he still with you? This morning, I want the Christmas story to teach us and remind us of what it truly means for Jesus to be Emmanuel. God with us. So, before we can understand the significance of the Christmas story and what it means for God to be with us and to have his presence near us, uh, if we're going to understand that, we've got we've to go back. Uh, we've got to go back and understand how God's people throughout the, throughout the Old Testament um, experienced his presence. Um, so that we can understand how we should rightly experience and be with him in his presence today. So I want you to notice, as we go back, I want you to notice with me this pattern that happens again and again and again and again and again, okay? So notice this pattern. So first we go back, and we're going to start where it always starts. It starts in the Garden of Eden. And uh, it's because in the Garden of Eden is the first time humanity has experienced the presence of God. And in the Garden of Eden, it's perfect, where Adam and Eve are walking. Humanity is walking with God, talking with Him, you know, playing. I mean, just enjoying God and His presence, and uh, as if He was just a friend um, or or a spouse, enjoying God on that kind of intimate level, not hindered by anything, um, but having a completely um, just intimate, powerful, unhindered relationship with God. Um, and so in the garden, that's what's happening. But when humanity sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, rebelled against God, sinned against him, what happens? Adam and Eve are sent out of the garden. They are exiled. Remember that word. They are exiled away from the garden and away from God and God's presence. They're removed from his presence, okay? Because of their sin, exiled and then it takes over 2,000 years for this to really change for 2,000 years you go past Noah and past Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all those guys and finally you get to Moses and uh, the Israelites have been set free from Egypt and they're wandering in the wilderness and God comes to Moses and he tells them to build a tabernacle. And what tabernacle is basically a huge tent. And they have to make this tent to all these very specific specifications. And uh, there are lots of rituals they have to go through. But they, they build this tent and there are two rooms uh, inside the tent. And inside the second room, it's called the Holy of Holies. They place this Ark of the Covenant. And it's a special thing. And they put it there in the centermost room, the Holy of Holies. And when they do, God's presence, his special presence, the same kind of presence that walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, fills that room. 
right? That presence is called the Shekinah glory. And it fills up that room and, it's, and God is there. And, and now this is not a perfect solution because only the high priest could go into that room and only once a year. But, his, but God's people could be at least near it. And they knew that that's where God was. That's where God lived. And they could pray toward it. And they could get close to it. And they could know that God was with them. He was with their people. And he was right there. And so, so it, it was better than nothing. And they knew God was there. And so, and so that was a big deal for them. And a few generations later, um, uh, you know, they had had to take this tent down and move it and all those things. But a few generations later, the Israelites had, had finally taken hold of the promised land. Um, and it was theirs, um, but they were no longer wandering in the wilderness, and so the tabernacle wasn't set up. And so because the tabernacle wasn't set up, God wasn't in their midst, and so there was kind of another exile. They were disconnected from God and His presence until Solomon, David's son, the king, builds the temple. And, and he builds this temple, and it's just like the tabernacle, except it's built out of stone instead of a tent. And so he builds this massive temple. And one of the things that's interesting about the temple is that there are these like, like different sections out. Like you get the same middle parts, but there are these different sections. And in the outer, outer, outermost section, um, Gentiles or non-Jewish people were allowed to go. And then when you come in a little bit, the, there was a place for for Jewish women to be. Uh, but then they couldn't go past that. And then when you get a little closer, the Jewish men could be there. And then when you get a little closer, only the priests and high priests could go even closer. But depending on who you were, you could get closer to God and closer to his presence, depending on whether you were a Jew or not or a man or not. And so <clears throat> uh, it wasn't perfect, but at least they knew where God was and he was in their midst again and he was in Jerusalem and they could pray that way and he was there in the middle of their people. That was at least until the Babylonians came. The Babylonians were their enemies and they came and they conquered the Israelites. They defeated them in battle and uh, not only did they take the Israelites into captivity and made them come back to Babylon and live with them, but the Babylonians destroyed the temple. They tore it down, they burned it, and they just leveled it, which meant God's presence was gone. And so now the Israelites were um, captives in Babylon to live in a land that was not their home, and the temple where God lived was no more. And now the people of God were in exile, again, separated and cut off from God. And so they had spent several hundred years like that until finally um, they were let go of their captivity. They were allowed to go home. They go home. They, one of the first things they do is rebuild the temple, um, and they are connected with God once again. But it's never quite the same, and they spend 400 years of 400 years of silence. God stops sending prophets and things are just not going well and there's no king to lead them and uh, God's people wandered away from him and they were just going through the motions and not really following him or seeking him. And though the temple, the, though the, the temple stood, they were in a spiritual exile cut off from God. You see the pattern? What started off so perfect and right led to this cycle of, of exile and then being connected with God. Exile, being connected with God. Exile, being connected with God over and over and over again. Every time God's people would get close to him and be in his presence again, they, 
they'd do something to screw it up and they'd be disconnected again. Um, and, and I just gave you the highlights. There's a lot of other little ones in between. But this is not the way we were supposed to live. We're not supposed to live our lives like, like being so far from God trying to connect to him, but he's always so distant. Even in the best situation when the temple is built and he's there, he's, he's still far away. And I can't really know him. I can only know him through someone else. And I just know he's there. That's not the way we're supposed to live. I want you to think for a moment about uh, the way you and I long for friendships or long for even romantic relationships. Uh, we were designed to need other people. And so we are at our best when we are connected in relationship with friends and family and, and romantic uh, partners, spouses, whatever. And, and, and think about this. Think about how there are companies who make billions and billions of dollars on dating websites who just by connecting people, by, hey, you're kind of like this person. Y'all should meet and talk. Um, and, and so the reason they're so successful is because we crave relationship. We crave uh, wanting to be with other people. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is that God created us for community. He created us for community with other people. And he created us for community with himself. He created us for, for relationship with others. And he created us for relationship with himself. And so if we do not have a relationship with God, there is always something missing, always something not quite right, something we are longing for. Because he created us to be in his presence and to know him. That's why we long for it. So for thousands of years, we repeated this cycle. This cycle of closeness to God followed by exile. God was finally going to put a stop to it though. God was finally going to put a stop to the vicious cycle of connectedness and exile. And so one night, as God determined to put a stop to this once and for all, to fix the problem, one night he put a bright star in the sky, an unusually bright star in the sky. And in a stable out in someone's field in the little town of Bethlehem, something amazing happened. Something that would fix our relationship with God forever. A baby was born. John chapter 1 verse 14 describes that birth this way. The birth of Jesus, he describes it like this. John writes and he says, and the word, it's the word is Jesus, and the word became flesh and dwelt, hold that word, and dwelt among us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That word dwell is interesting. When you translate that word dwell, the Greek word is skenosin which means tabernacle. John did not do this by accident. He is trying to tell us something. See, it reads this way. And the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and he tabernacled among us. Okay? 
Jesus became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now, what, what does that mean? You see, Jesus is himself the presence of God. The same presence of God that was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The same presence of God that was in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, and in the temple, that Shekinah glory, the special presence of God, that same presence was embodied in Jesus. Okay? Jesus is the temple of God. He is the presence of God. And so when Jesus was born, he tabernacled among us. He templed among us. He brought the presence of God to us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God in human flesh. No longer bound up in a room, in a temple, but in a man. This is why Jesus could say, tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Because no longer did God's people, were they going to need to meet him in a tent or in a, in a building. Now they were going to meet him in a man. See, God's presence can only be found now in Jesus. Okay? So if you want to find God in his presence... You have to find him in Jesus. You have to go to Jesus. It is only through Jesus that you're going to meet and be in the presence of God. But our story this morning does not end in a manger. You see, Jesus came and he brought the presence of God to us so that we would never have to be apart from God again. Never would we have to try to find God in a temple. Never would we have to try to find God in a tent. Never again would we be exiled and cut off from God again. Jesus came so that we would never have the distance between us and God again, so that we would never have to long for his presence. And it was off in that tent over there, off in that room over there, that we couldn't get to because we weren't a priest. And so we couldn't get to him. We just had to know it was Jesus came to put an end to all that. Jesus came so that you and I could be connected with God, always be in his presence with no exile, no cut off from him. That's why Jesus came. The only way he could accomplish that, the way that Jesus was going to make it so that you and I could be connected to God and never be exiled or cut off from him again, the only way Jesus could do that wasn't, wasn't enough to just be born. Wasn't enough to just be born in a manger in Bethlehem and bring God's presence to us. It wasn't enough just to be the temple himself. No, it wasn't enough. If God was going to make it to where we were never cut off from him, Jesus had to be exiled from God so that we would never have to be again. Like all the times before when we were cut off and cast out and, and removed from God's presence, Jesus would have to experience the same thing, but never, never did he deserve it like we did. And so on the cross, as Jesus hung dying, you will remember the words that he said. As he hung there, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
And in that moment, the father exiled his son, cut him off from his presence, removed him as so many times he had removed us. Just as God sent Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, so did God the Father cast out the Son because he took on my and your sin. Jesus was exiled so that me and you would never have to be exiled again from God's presence. Do you remember what happened, though, the moment of Jesus' death? There is something that the gospel accounts record very clearly. The moment Jesus gave his last breath, he breathed his last, that some, some ways down the road, I don't know how far, a mile or a couple miles down the road, in the temple, the moment Jesus breathed his last, there was a curtain in the temple. And that curtain is what divided the holy place, you know, just kind of the normal place from the holy of holies, a place where God's special Shekinah glory, where, where the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be and, and where God lived. There was a curtain that divided that and you couldn't get past that curtain. The moment Jesus breathed his last breath, that curtain was ripped from top to bottom. Just ripped in half. That God just came down and just ripped that thing in half, showing us. Showing us that God was making a new temple. That his presence was no longer going to reside in a building, but he was going to make temples out of you and me. God ripped that curtain in two, showing his presence would no longer live in a building, but would live in you. When you come to Jesus, when you come in faith to Jesus and you meet him, he takes up residence in your heart and the presence of God that was in the Garden of Eden, the presence of God that was in the temple and in the tabernacle that was in the, she the Shekinah, the glory of God that was right there in the middle, now lives in you, takes up residence inside of you. And now you and I become temples as well that God lives in. God makes his home in you. The divine presence of God inside of you right now in this moment, he lives there if your faith is in Jesus. It means Emmanuel is true even now. God is with you. You know how in, in, in so many movies um, when someone's in trouble or someone is trying to figure out a question or they're, they're going through some kind of crisis and a movie a lot of times what happens is in that moment of crisis they they go to a church usually some big Catholic cathedral and they walk in and they think that they're going to find God there and find the answers to their questions there because they think God lives in that building 
Or think about the ways that so often we treat church buildings. Oh, kids, don't run. It's don't You can't run in church. Or don't wear that hat in church. Or, uh, you know, one time I got in trouble when I was a youth because we our youth group got together and we watched a movie in the sanctuary and we got in trouble because, because it was a holy place. And we were defiling it with watching our movie. But I want you guys to understand something. The room you are sitting in right now, there is literally nothing special about it. It's a gym. There's nothing special about that building whatsoever. It's just the place we use to gather together for worship. Now, God has commanded us to gather, right? And it's, it's good to have a building. It's great to be able to meet in a wonderful, the wonderful facility we have. And, it, and God commands us to gather. It is good to gather weekly together. But here's what I'm saying. While, while it is vitally important for us to gather together, where we do that doesn't matter. The church is first and foremost not something we go to. The church is something we are. We are the church. And whether we meet in that big, beautiful building that we have, or if we meet out in the field, or if we meet here in my house, or, or we meet at a McDonald's, it doesn't matter. There's nothing special about the buildings we meet in. Because what is special is the person who has placed their faith in Jesus because they have become a temple of the living God. You, brother and sister in Christ, are special. Not the building we choose to meet in. Because you are a temple of God. God lives inside of you. Okay? We don't find <coughs> we don't find God in a building. We find God inside the heart of every man and woman who places their faith in Jesus. The, uh, the church building isn't special. You're special. Uh, here is what I want you to understand. Uh, one of the wonderful truths about Christmas is that Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. And now that truth, Emmanuel, goes beyond the incarnation of Jesus. The incarnation of Jesus is, the, is God becoming flesh, Jesus becoming a man. He tabernacled amongst us, Jesus becoming man. The Emmanuel has grown beyond just that moment of Jesus' physical birth. Because no matter where you go, Emmanuel is true. No matter where you go, God is with you if you're in Christ. No matter where you go, Christ is with you. God lives inside of you. See, when you are in Christ, when you are at a retreat, when you are at a camp, when you are at a revival, when you are somewhere and the sermon was particularly powerful or the worship was powerful and you are overwhelmed by his presence and there's not a dry eye in the room and everyone is crying and, and God is just there and he is, he is moving. God's there. But when you are at home and you are opening his word and you are reading it and it stirs your heart, he is with you. And when you get bad news and when you are an emotional wreck and you are questioning, God, why would you let this happen to me? God is with you. 
And when you feel like you are all alone, when you feel like no one likes you and no one wants to be around you, or when you feel like no one understands what you are going through, God is with you. When you experience things and you can't explain why they happened or why you're okay or why these things happened, and the only thing you can say is it was a God thing, it's because God was with you. But when you experience things and, and it's just normal, it's just mundane, you just got up and went to work and everything was just normal, God is with you. He's always with you. When you feel shame and guilt because you have had a bad week and you've made some big mistakes, God is still with you. When you pray and when you ask God to come show up and when you ask God to move and when you ask God to stir you and to be near to you, when you're in worship and you want to feel him so badly and you try so hard to, to feel him and, and you just walk away not feeling what you expected to feel, not feeling moved, but you just feel distant from him, he's still with you. He's always with you. Wherever you go, whatever you face, whatever you have done, he is with you and will always be with you. He has promised to never leave you and never forsake you. He's cast your sin as far as the, the east is from the west. And he has made your heart his home forever. See, I want you to understand this. If you've placed your faith in Christ, there may be times that you feel alone. There may be times that you feel scared. There may be things that are going on and, and you wish that God would show up, that he would move. You don't see him. Know this. No matter how you feel, God is there and he never left. He is with you. And he never left and he never will. See, the story of Christmas is about Emmanuel. About how God came to be with us. Not in a tent or in a temple, but in a man. A man who came to save us. A man who loved us so much that he was cut off and exiled away from God so that you and I would never have to feel that again. A man who was cut off from God so that we wouldn't have to know God from an arm's length or from a distance, but so that we can know him intimately and personally and close. You see, the presence of God in your life is not always going to look the same. Sometimes he's going to move you to tears. Sometimes you're going to get chill bumps. Sometimes you're going to feel the warmth and comfort of his embrace. And sometimes you're going to be sitting at home or driving in your car or watching TV or listening to music. You're going to be doing something just not spiritual at all. You're not going to feel emotional at all. You're not going to feel spiritual at all. It's going to be just normal life. But he is with you. 
He's with you when you wake up. He's with you when you watch your kids, when you go to work, when you go to school. He's with you when you put your head on your pillow at night and close your eyes and you lose consciousness to the world. He never sleeps or slumbers. He is with you. If you are his, he's always with you. He's our Emmanuel. You see, you don't have to conjure his presence. You don't have to get in a worship mood. You don't have to uh, pray for a long time. You don't have to beg. You don't have to get him to show up. He never left. He's always with you. But the Christmas story doesn't end there. The Christmas story beckons us forward. Beckons us to look beyond. Look forward to a day to the ultimate purpose for which Jesus came. You see, this story started in a garden but it ends in a city. Genesis tells us of a garden. Revelation tells us of a city. The city of God, where you and I will walk with God, talk with God, be with God physically forever and ever. Never again will we feel alone. Never again will we feel unworthy or disconnected from Him. But in that city, we will be with God and live with Him, and we will together say, it is good. And of that kingdom, there will be no end. I met someone this week that asked me a question that kind of rattled me a little bit. He looked at me and he said, has God ever talked to you? And, and I hesitated to answer that question. And he could kind of see my wheels turning and the reason I hesitated was because I knew what he meant. He meant, has God ever opened up the clouds and, and spoken with a, you know, with a voice to me, uh, you know, like in the burning bush or something like that. And so I knew what he meant, and, and, and I knew the answer was no to that. But, but when he asked the question, uh, has God ever spoken to you? I hesitated because the real answer was, of course he has. Yes, of course he has. I've talked to him. He's talked to me. His presence has comforted me. His voice reassured me. His presence has lifted me up. It's been, his presence has been life-giving. His presence has been refreshing. His presence has been a source of utter happiness and joy in my life. The presence of God in my life has kept me going at times. And even... When I can't feel him, even when I'm not moved to tears or I have chill bumps, even when I'm not overwhelmed by his presence, even when I can't feel him, there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem and there is a curtain that has been ripped into that stands as a reminder to me that he is with me and that he'll always be with me matter what. He's my Emmanuel. And he lives here in the temple he made. The temple he made from a broken man. The temple he made from someone who had been exiled from his presence, cut off from him. He picked up the broken pieces of that man. He picked up the broken pieces of my life. And he made this body a temple 
he would choose to live in. And not only did he do that for me, but for every one of you who've placed your faith in him, he did that for you. He's made you a temple that he wants to live in and make his home. There's some of you here, and maybe you've never believed in him or trusted in Christ. But he wants to make your heart his home this morning. And there are men that are going to come up on the front uh, that can help you do that as we sing this next song. As he invites you, as he invites you to believe and to be made and to be brought into his presence to be made new. This Christmas, let us be thankful that Jesus is always our Emmanuel, our God with us. Merry Christmas, church. I miss you, and I will see you soon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for sending your Son so that your presence could always be with us, that you would always be near us. We would always know you. God, this morning, if there's anyone here in this room who doesn't know you, who's never believed, never trusted because they've had doubts or they thought they were, weren't good enough or they thought whatever, but this morning they would look and they would say, I, I want that. I want to be near God. I want to know him. I want to be comforted and lifted up and refreshed and made new by the presence of God every day in my life. I want to know that he's with me even when I don't feel him. God, this morning, would you help them to come as we sing this song? Come and talk to one of these people up front and place their faith in you and be made new. If you're here this morning and, and, and you, you're his and you belong to him, but you would say, sometimes I just feel like I'm alone and I feel like God is a hundred miles away and I don't know how to get him closer to me. Realize he's never left and he's right there. Maybe you want to come up this morning and just have someone pray with you. Sometimes we just need that. We want to invite you to come up right now as we sing this song. God, give us the strength to move, uh, to do as you would call us. And God, we're thankful that you're always with us, our Emmanuel. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. See you soon.